Well, good morning, good morning, good to see you. How many of you uh, went to bed a little disappointed because of the, the, football, the, the basketball game? Basketball game. So, yeah, but it sure was fun watching them, wasn't it? It was fun. Jesse, I can't even see you over there. You, why don't you move? I can't see you. And you can't see me unless you're hiding something. And I know you're not. So, good to see everybody. Well, I saw, I saw the robins are out. That means spring is here. For here. But I haven't put my shovels away yet. Because this is a Wisconsin. Yeah. The... Uh, Kevin just got through talking about how his motivations have changed with age. And I've got my uh, nephew and niece and great nephew here. And, and, I was, and I was thinking about something that, that my sister-in-law said to me years ago. I was in my early 30s. Just, I just became a pastor. And she said something that I didn't really get at the time, but I get it today. She said, you know, when, when you get older, your spirituality changes. And being a 32-year-old, I said, I thought to myself, that's nuts. Spirituality is spirituality. But the older I get, the more my sister-in-law, Barbara, was really correct. You see things differently. As you mature, as you get older, you see things differently. We hear we uh, we we heard we heard a prophetic word that we should look at our lives and consider our ways. Look at your lives and consider your ways. And and we, the more mature you get in God, the more the more you do that, because you know you're going to see Jesus face to face at any time. You know when you're when you're twenty three, twenty five years old, I mean. Old age is forever down the road, but when you're already pretty much down the road, old age is anybody older than you. That was a joke. Okay. Last week I started talking about authentic discipleship. And I want to read something about the value of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven before I pray. <clears throat> Jesus talked in parables, and he talked much about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the value. In Matthew 13, 44, <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is like, it is dry and thirsty land up here where no water is. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he had to get enough money to buy the field. Sold everything to get that which he found of value. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. We're talking about selling it out to get that which is the most important. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. 
When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish uh, into crates and threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the, the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? So Jesus speaking in parables, talking about value, value of the kingdom, and he says, do you really understand these things that I'm talking about? And I thought about that. I'm not sure they really got it yet. I think they were starting to get it, but I don't think they really got it all yet. Value. There is such a value in the kingdom of God. We're talking about eternity. Eternity. That's a hard word to grasp. Eternity. To live in the to live with Jesus for all eternity. But the kingdom of God is not just when you die. The kingdom of God is here right now. When we receive Christ in our life, we enter the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. That's wonderful. So there are those people within the kingdom and those outside the kingdom. And there will be a separation. See, when the nets are gathered together, there's... Oh, thank Bless you, brother. You know what it's like. I know you do. I know. You know what I used to like, hate? Uh, years when I was in the audience, I see someone taking some water and just, and I was thirsty. I'm, I'm in the audience and I'm thirsty, okay? And they, they start going. Makes me even thirstier. But there's going to be, there's a separation. There's a big net. And fish, fish, some fish were kept, some were thrown away. And they were caught, they were in the same net. There's a lot of people in churches right now, around the world, singing songs to Jesus. The problem is, they have not yet entered the kingdom of God. Two types of people, those within the kingdom of God and those that are going to be in the kingdom of God by the grace of God. But there are two types, those in and those without. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this good time when I get to share with my friends. God, I pray that um, I speak clearly and my friends would respond in the way that I believe they will. Thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. So that last week, I began talking about authentic discipleship. I mentioned that a disciple is someone who believes and helps to spread the teachings of another. Now, I consider myself a disciple of Jesus. How many of you consider yourselves a disciple of Jesus? Okay, some of you didn't raise your hand. How many of you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus? I'm looking. Okay. So by this definition, someone who believes and helps to spread the teachings of another, if I was, or were, I'm not sure which one it is. Wendy, you can correct me on this one. If I was or were, um, a disciple of Aaron Rodgers. What would I be interested in and specifically want to talk about? What would I be interested in? Football. Football. Now I'm a disciple of Aaron Rodgers. So 
what specifically about football would I want to talk about? Being a quarterback. You got it. Now, in the same way, if I'm an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ, and I'm talking to someone outside the kingdom of God, what specifically would I be interested and want to talk about? Well, I'd be interested in talking about God, and specifically their need for God, and how to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. That's what I would be interested in because I am a disciple. And you are disciples too, so that's what you are interested in. You want to talk about God, and if they're, if they're outside the kingdom of God, you want to talk about salvation. Now, you all have that? You think so? I'm going to give you a pop quiz. Okay? Pop quiz. This is a true or false. Now listen carefully. An authentic, there's only two questions, so you pass or fail. An authentic disciple of Christ does not have to know nor believe the teachings of Christ. Right, it's false. Number two, this is tricky. Because of the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, an authentic disciple of Christ must be involved in evangelism. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Now, would you agree with me? Sometimes you don't agree with me. But would you agree with me that God drew us into his kingdom? Absolutely. Absolutely. John 6, 44. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. So you've all, all of you in the kingdom of God, you've all experienced a drawing, a drawing to get saved, a drawing to enter the kingdom of God. Would you agree with me that even though they might not use the term born again, would you agree that today those within the kingdom are born again? Come on now. Yes, yes. Only people who are born again are in the kingdom of God. Now, in some denominations, um, they don't use the term born again. They'll say, I come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or, or something like that. And they don't talk about the, the, the phrase to be born again. But they've given their life to Jesus Christ and they become disciples, and they're, they're in the kingdom of God. And the fact of the matter is, everybody um, who's, who's in the kingdom of God is born again, whether they realize it or not. In John 3, verse, verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So you may say, I don't like the term born again. Well, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But the fact is, you are. If you're in the kingdom of God, you're in there because you're born again. You've got a new spirit. And that's where the, the, that's where the Holy Ghost resides. That's because you become the temple of God. Would you agree with me that everyone who dies within the kingdom of God goes to heaven? Come on. Okay, good. 
Would you agree with me that everyone within the kingdom of God has at least one gift of the Holy Spirit? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. A spiritual gift. A gift. God giving you something you flat out don't deserve. And each of us have a spiritual gift. Now, some of us have realized our gifts, and our, we exercise our gifts. Some of us have realized our gifts, but we don't do anything with it. And some of us have not yet realized this. I don't have any gifts. Well, yes, you do. You've got at least one spiritual gift. At least one. At least one. And it's your obligation, because God gave it to you, to find it. And then to use it. Why? Because it's not for you. It's for us. And when you sit on your spiritual gift, the gift on the, of the Holy of the spiritual gift, 1 Corinthians 12 spiritual gift, we go without. I'm not going to ask how many of you prophesy because there'll be a bunch of hands going up. And I would say, why don't we hear from you? Why aren't you in the prayer room exercise, you know, um, ec- um, seeking God? So you have all d- different types of gifts. Some of you have a gift of, incur- you know, you, you have different gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, but you don't use them. And we have abilities that God's given us. We have abilities. And these are also not 1 Corinthians 12 gifts, but, but they're abilities that the Holy Spirit has given you. And we need them. We need them. They're not for you. You know, I was talking to, you know, our children are very important. I tell you, if I was, had a young family, I would not attend a church where they did not take care of my children. I'd go someplace else. I go someplace else. Well, we have a wonderful ministry for children. And we have wonderful, wonderful teachers. Teachers. And they've been doing it for a long time. Last week I, sh- I showcased Helen. You're dropping your head. We, I, I showcased, I showcased um, Helen last week. And I always bring up Helen when I talk about this. I, I just can't help it because... It's an example of someone who, of, of faith who just gave it a rip. You know, was it 25 years ago, Helen? She walked up to me and she said, you know, Frank, I'm from Mississippi, and um, uh, my English is maybe the best. Actually, I think it's pretty good, Helen. She says, not, it's not maybe the best you think the kids would receive from me. I love the children. I said, Helen, give it a rip. Try. So she's been working in, in the Sunday school classes for... 25 years and some of you some of you have how many of you have I think I asked you this last last week how many of you have sat under Helen's Helen Dox's ministry raise your hand look around again they always sit on this side they don't sit on this side so you know you, you, you find these giftings and you stay with it now, we, we actually, I was talking to um, the leaders of, of, our, of um, 
our Sunday school and, the, and our pioneers of grace, and, and they all really could use extra help. Some of you say, well, I did it already. I pulled my, my term. Yeah, but you're doing nothing now. Sign up again. Talk to Phil, and Phil will get you hooked in. He said, I've never taught Sunday school. I've never taught on Wednesdays. The children, do it. You see what God does with you. You develop. I remember, I remember a time that uh, Dr. Spellacy, you all know Dr. Spellacy? He teaches, he teaches bioethics at the Milwaukee Medical College. And he signed up to teach little children. And he, he was teaching the kids. And when you sign up for a ministry, you don't sign up forever. You sign up for a certain duration, like six months or nine months, whatever the, the, the term is. And then you're given an honorable discharge to go do something else. And I remember, I remember when Ryan came up to me once. He said, Frank, I don't think I'm cut off for this, this kid stuff, teaching the kids. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, I'm used to students listening to me. He teaches bioethics at the medical college. He's used to kids listening to him. He said, they're not listening. Well, I said, you know what? You signed up. You prove yourself faithful. You keep doing it. And then you only have a couple more months. And you can, you can trust in the grace of God to get you through to the best you can. And go on to something else. You prove yourself faithful. Well, I noticed the following year, he's doing it again. I thought he wanted out. He did. But he saw there was a need. He saw there was on a need. And saw there was a need. And so he did, he did it again. And that, that speaks volume. It would speak volumes to any, any pastor. Someone is doing something because they see a need and they're just willing to do it. Okay? It, it's wonderful. You know, we see the same thing in, in, the, in the nursery. Um, with the children. We, we, these are not everybody wants to work in the nursery. Not everybody wants to, to work with kids at, um, and like with Celeste. She's, she's in there right now teaching the kids. Um, not everybody, you think it might not be my bag, might not be my thing. Well, give it a rip. Try it. And experience the grace of God in your life that God will give you the, the grace to do something like that. Would you agree with me that, now this is tricky, that both inside and outside the kingdom of God, are those, those both inside and outside are candidates um, to go to heaven? Candidates. Yes, those inside the kingdom of God, like I said, they're going to heaven, and those outside the kingdom of God, well, they're not going to heaven, but they're candidates. But they need to receive the Savior first, get their ticket to heaven. Would you agree with me that those within the kingdom of God, regardless of their preparation, will be in the bride of Christ? Yeah, let me let me let me read the scripture. The answer is no. Revelation 19.7 says, 
for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Makes herself ready. Now, in the days of the first disciples, the Jewish weddings were much different than the weddings today, especially in the Western world. In those days, there was an engagement, usually arranged by the parents, while the prospective bride and groom, they were just children. Matchmaking. Matchmaking. Well, Frank, how does an authentic an authentic disciple of Christ, how does he or she get ready? I mean, what do you have to do to get ready? Well, that's a good question. But first, let me tell you how a believer does not get ready. To not be ready, know little about the ways of God, nor the will of God, because you don't read the Word of God. For sure, you won't be ready. To not be ready, don't pray. Don't pray. Except for when the policeman pulls you over. Or you think the boss is going to can you. Or when you need something from God. Don't pray. To not be ready, skip hearing the word of God. Sleep in. Do other things on Sunday. Sleep in. We know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But sleep in. There's a good chance that you're not going to be ready. Now, I understand you got to be ready. I mean, you, some days you just can't make a service. I understand that as well as anybody. But you got to give it a rip and, and be there when you can. To not be ready, don't be any different, but continue to act and talk like those outside the kingdom of God. Just continue to act like you're not born again. Sure. Trust me. You're not going to be ready. So, how does an authentic disciple of Christ, how does he or she get ready? Again, a disciple is someone who believes and helps to spread the teachings of another. Today, an authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by learning the ways of God, by reading the Word of God. How many of you do not have a Bible? Raise your hand, please. You do not own a Bible. I'll give you a Bible, free. How many of you do not own a Bible? Well, everybody has a Bible. How many of you have two Bibles? Raise your hand. How many have, how many have three Bibles? Well, let's, how many of you have a half a dozen Bibles? Look around. A half a dozen. You have six. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, we have lots of Bibles. Like, I remember years ago, I, I was invited to this person's home, and they weren't, they weren't yet in the kingdom of God, and they had one of these wooden stands like this that holds, that holds a big, thick Bible open, and it was open. And, they, and they, they were so proud of their Bible that they have a Bible. And I looked at it. It had dust on it. I thought, that's too bad. It's too bad you've got it and you don't read it. Too bad it's got it and you don't understand what's in it. You can have a half a dozen Bibles. You can have a dozen Bibles. But that doesn't get you into the kingdom of God. 
Today, an authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by learning to be effective in spreading the teachings of Jesus Christ. If you're a disciple, you must not only know the teachings, but be effective in passing the teachings on. Evangelism. Evangelism. Learning. Today, an authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by being a doer of the Word of God and not ignoring or blowing off the Holy Spirit. Blowing off the Holy Spirit. Now, I taught you how to get out of your box of excuses. Do you remember? I I mean, I've taught this again, and I've mentioned it again and again and again. See, most, most believers live in a box of excuses. And in that box of excuses, you never see God move. You wonder, where's God? In your, so, so I taught you how to get out of your box of excuses. You remember, you remember the first step is what? Right, you have to see. God's showing you something. You see it, okay? A lot of us see what God shows us, and we go, oh, yeah, but we do nothing. And that's because we don't hit the second step. What's the second step? Own it. Yeah, you have to own it. You have to put some skin in the game and say, yes, God, do you talk to me? I know this is the will of God. And I don't want to go back in the box of excuses, because I know your will, because the Bible says he that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So, you see it, you own it, then there's always problems. Always problems. So the third step is what? Solve it. Right, you see it, you own it, you solve it. And God will solve the problem. He'll take you over it, under it, around it, or through it, or maybe he'll just make you wait on it for a while until it dissipates. So you see it, you own it, you solve it, and then what do you do? Do it! Then you've got to be a doer. And you see God move. An authentic authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by constantly talking to God during the good, the bad, and the ugly times. Not just the ugly times and the bad times. We talk to Him during the good times too. Should always be praying. You say, I don't know what to pray about. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. We should always be in communication with God. You know, my, my wife, I, I've been in the car many times with her when she's in a parking lot. And a lot of times, a lot of times she prays, God, Lord, give me a parking space. She gets it. So I pray it too. God, give me a parking place. Okay? Sometimes he says, walk. <laughs> so I park a little further. But you talk to God all the time. When there's a stoplight, that's pretty much a time to, to pray. Stop sighing, time to pray. Brushing your teeth, time to pray. Before you read the back of the cereal box, time to pray. You can, talk, you can pray all, all, you can say, well, I got, I got a job where I'm always, 
I've got to have my mind focused. Okay, fine. There are still those times that you can pray. It doesn't take long to just recognize God in your heart. An authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by not being a stranger to God, but by praying often. An authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by not being um, a stranger to their church family and are faithfully using all their spiritual gifts for the benefit of others to the glory of God. So they're using your spiritual gifts, their abilities. These are people that have some involvement. Doesn't, some people just cannot be, they want to be involved, but they just cannot be involved because they're going to college, and so you can just be involved in so much. But there's something. An authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by being careful what they desire as precious. We know that how you think is, is exactly how you think is how you feel is how you do. You start thinking and you want something, you start craving it, and before you know it, you're doing everything you can to get it. In 1 John 2, verse 15, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified Version. Do not love, the, do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, or craving for sensual gratification, the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources for the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and with it, the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires and lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides, remains forever. You'll never regret giving it to God. And say, I know how it is. When you first get married, when you first get married, you, 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 you put those long hours in, you want to build your, your um, reputation, so you're working all the time, all the time, and before you know it, you're backslidden. I used to live in Anchorage, Alaska, and I lived up there when the, um, when the pipeline, the Alaska pipeline, was really flourishing. And I, I attended a very large church called Abedloop Christian Center. That's what it was called in those days. And it was actually the largest charismatic church in the state. And uh, when, the, uh, when the pipeline was, was being put in, they needed all kinds of workers. And so people, were, people that were making minimum wage were, were getting jobs that were paying a lot of money. And they were making um, overtime and double time. And they would, they would leave their families, and, and they'd go up on the slope, what they call the slope, and they'd be gone for two weeks and come back for a few days. And because of the money, they'd go back again, and the money was being made. The problem was the marriage counseling was going sky high. And then came the divorces. And while that was going on, there was a whole lot of backsliding. 
there was there was always a an altar call for those for those that were backslidden and all the slow people a lot of the slow people would would come forward you know what does a man acquire if he if he has the if gets the whole world yet loses his soul An authentic disciple of Christ gets ready by acting on the fact that the Holy Spirit is within them. So they exercise their faith, knowing that with God, when they know it's the will of God, all things are possible. They exercise their faith. They give it a rip. If God's in it, hallelujah, you'll be successful. If you think God's in it and you find out it's not, how, how mad can he be at you? At least you tried. I'd like to say that everything that I believe God was leading me into came to be. But it hasn't always. But I don't think God gets upset with me because I'm trying to do His will. And sometimes I, I don't make it. I, I, I don't hit, hit it like I want to. But you try. I want us to look at Ephesians three twenty. In two different versions. The first version. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Now I want to read that same scripture out of the Amplified Version. Now to him who, by in consequence of the action of his power that is with that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare to ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen? So let it be. Man, what a motivation to step out in faith. You know, you may pray for something big, think it's big, God says he can do bigger. It's amazing. 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 This challenged me. God can do so much through each and every one of us who have the Spirit of God within us, through us, he can do so much more than we would even think possible. What a challenge. What a challenge. God, you couldn't use me that way. Oh, yeah? God says, I can do it beyond even your thinking of what I can do through you. Now, I want to end with this thought. Once you have heard the gospel and you feel God is tugging at your heart to get saved and enter his kingdom... You have three major choices. So you feel God tugging at your heart. You have choices. See, God tugs on our heart not only to get saved, but also do things within the kingdom. Number one, you can ignore his tugging in your heart and blow him off. But there is a consequence for doing that. And that consequence is eternally terrible. Number two, 
You can receive what Jesus did for you on the cross and enter his kingdom. But after you are part of his kingdom, you do nothing. Or you do little to get ready for the marriage of the Lamb and have no function within his kingdom. And know there are consequences for that. And it's not good. Or number three, you can purposely and aggressively press into becoming an authentic disciple of Christ who is tenaciously getting ready for the marriage of the Lamb. No, there is also a consequence for doing that. And for all eternity, you'll reap the benefits. And you'll never, ever regret it. You'll never regret it. My, my, uh, my mom and dad got saved late in life. And they had, such, they had such regrets that they didn't come to know their Messiah earlier in life. And my, my dad wanted to be so active. But they, they, my dad, he, he, was, he could do very little. And uh, you remember, Mark, he used to be at our elders' meetings, and he used to take notes. That was a big thing for my dad, because he couldn't do a lot of other things. He could hardly get around. My mother, she always wants to be in charge, okay? As soon as she got saved, two days later, she wants to know how she could become an elder. You know, it's one of, the, one of those things, you know. Regrets. People in the kingdom of God, as they mature in God, and we go to be with the Lord, we should go without regrets. God, I gave it a rip. I tried some things. I was, I was not very successful, but I gave it a rip. I tried. And you grew in God. You grew to be more like, like Jesus. You know, you put off the old and you put on the new. And the fact of the matter is you took three steps forward and you took two steps backwards. And you took three steps forward and, oh, you take two steps backwards. But now look, you're two steps ahead. And you keep on doing this. And before you know it, whoa, you traveled a long way to become more like Jesus, but you went back quite a bit. But, you know, thank God and thank goodness there's there's forgiveness. As we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So we, we understand that we made that, oh man, I did it again. I tried not to do it. I did that. Oh no. So you, you actually, you, you, you went backwards. You, you, you tried to get over something in your life and you didn't do it. But eventually you'll get over it. You become more like Jesus. You look down the road and say, man, I've come a long way. I'm still not there. And when you think you've arrived, the Holy Spirit will make sure that you didn't arrive. Okay? Until, until you breathe your last breath, you're not going to arrive. Something happens, I think, when you breathe your last, you're in the kingdom of God and you breathe your last breath. Something happens where perfection comes upon you, I guess. So we have choices, and with each choice comes a consequence. And I want you to think about that. Um, Michael? They're going to sing a song, I have, de- I have decided to follow Jesus. 
That's an old song. But listen, it's a decision. And this decision has consequences. And if we don't follow Jesus, that has consequences too. disciple of Christ has the mindset, I will follow Jesus, I will never turn back. God help me that if I even start swaying away to be tempted, Holy Spirit, swing me back. Swing me back. To be an authentic disciple of Christ. Let's all stand. I want to end with the ironic prayer. This is God praying over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, peace in your heart. As you're walking as an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.